Hello, all my beautiful people. It is time once again for another amazing episode of If You Give a Data Podcast. So this week I have with me a guy who has done all kinds of really cool stuff, from having his own TV show for about 10 years on the Outdoor Channel, to having his own bow company and his own um, brand based off of a song that he wrote. And today I am talking about Andy Ross. He is the American Rebel brand ambassador, and I am very excited for you guys to hear this episode with him. Um, We had a really good conversation. He had a lot of cool stories and things to tell, so I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. And for those of you who are here just to listen to the Andy Ross episode, welcome. I hope that you enjoy what you hear, and I hope that you stick around and listen to some of the other great episodes we have here as well. So... If you guys are as excited as I am, then let's get the show on the road. If you give a dad a podcast. Hey, Dad. So where did you actually train at? I made a really good career out of being able to bump, sell, and I had a punch-me face. I wasn't about to call you Dad, so... (laughs) Seriously? I felt like I was in an anime or something. People get really mad at those videos for some reason. Like it triggers certain people. Yeah. Wow. I was actually lost and I was taken in by a traveling group of independent wrestlers. (laughs) I love it. I'm excited for this one. Bro. You get punched in the face on the daily. Do you always do these interviews with your shirt off? (laughs) What? Man, this guy won't shut up. All right, everybody. So today I have with me a pretty awesome guest, and I'm very excited to talk to him. He is a singer and songwriter. He is also a TV host for Maximum Archery World Tour. He is the CEO and founder of American Rebel and the author of American Rebel, uh, the making of America's patriotic brand. And I am talking about Andy Ross. Man, how are you doing today? Hey, man, I'm doing great. It's uh it's a, a good evening to be on uh, here with you today. We got a lot to talk about, and I'm excited to be here, man. Yes, sir. I am very excited too. I was kind of looking over uh, your resume a little bit there, and uh, you you kind of got your hands in all kinds of stuff. You know, it, it it does on paper. It would appear that you know that I'm doing quite a bit of things and I've done you know different things. But to me, uh, someone who's you know lived this life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really one opportunity that I've done has just morphed in and blessed into another opportunity. It's, it's really all been the same, you know, long ride. Right. Um, you know, I had the TV show, you know, first I had a bow company, right. I'm manufacturing bows and, okay. And uh, so, uh, you know, we can start there. Okay. Uh, how did you start your bow company then? So I, I grew up um, in Southeast Kansas in a town called Chanute, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And like most of my friends, we did a lot of upland bird hunting, turkey hunting, duck hunting, you know, waterfowl. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a time when, you know, we would we'd do a little duck hunting and jump a couple ponds. All the farmers would let us, you know, hunt on their land. There wasn't, uh, it wasn't hard to get permission, you know, back then. And, yeah. and we'd jump a couple ponds before school and, you know, we had our shotguns hanging in the back windows of our trucks and we'd go, you know, taking off our camo coveralls and stuff in the in the parking lot you know, and running into school and barely making the bell. Um, <laughs> so so we started off, you know, with 
you know, things, everything's for shotguns, right? Just upland bird hunting, waterfowl and so on. Yeah. And um, when I got older, I got into, I had an opportunity. A friend of mine was into archery and, and was going on a hunt, asked me to go on the hunt. And uh, I just assumed, you know, everybody would take whatever they were used to. But I found out about two weeks before the hunt that it was an archery only hunt. Hmm. So uh, I got I got real good real quick with a bow and went and bought one. And and I got hooked right away. I mean, I man, I, I mean, I, I'm telling you, I just I just fell in love with it. Still love it passionately <laughs> today. But um, I started making bows kind of as a hobby. Um wanted to you know i thought well i'll make some bows and sell some bows and that'll uh help maybe if i can if i can sell a few pay for my hunting habit and get me you know in the archery world and meet some people and and uh all of a sudden we started selling you know enough bows to where it kind of moved from a hobby to to uh to a business Mm -hmm. and this is the time when, you know, outdoor TV was really, really coming on strong, especially the archery part of outdoor TV. Lee and Tiffany were just huge. And uh, Michael Waddell was coming on strong and Archer's Choice with Ralph and Vicky and the Drury Brothers and the Primos guys. And, uh, man, I really wanted to get some of those hunting celebrities, one of them to shoot my bow and shoot it on TV. And, uh, you know, I couldn't get that done. They, they had contracts with other bow companies and, and they hadn't really heard of my bow and they were, you know, they were happy with the deals they had. Mm-hmm. So I uh, hired a, a camera guy, Mike Osborne, who had done some filming for some of the Drury brothers production. And we went on four or five hunts and he filmed them of, of my hunts. And then I had them edited and made into a DVD. And then I put that DVD in the box with all the bows, you know, as we sold the bows. Oh, cool. And then I would play the DVD like in the booth at trade shows at the Iowa Deer Classic and the Wisconsin Deer and Turkey Expo and, you know, all the different shows in the ATA show, of course. Yeah. And uh, somehow the network outdoor channel got a hold of it and called me up. And uh, next thing I knew, I had my offer to do my own show. Oh, wow. And, and so I, I ended up uh, called the show Maximum Archery and uh, eventually changed it to Maximum Archery World Tour. Mm-hmm. And I and I did that uh, for 10 years. And then I became, you know, my own mouth mouthpiece, if you will, for the for my own bow company at that point. Man, that's amazing. You know, I I love how whenever, you know, something's supposed to happen, you know, it, yeah. uh, I, it it's almost like you can't stop it from happening. And that's really cool. I love that story. Well, you know, and, and as as time went by, uh, three or four years into the show, mm-hmm. maybe five, I noticed that kids were getting really excited about this these things called X Games and what kids were doing with skateboards and bicycles and motocross and snowmobiles and video yeah. games were getting pretty cool and realistic. And I told my cameraman, Mike, I said, man, kids got so many cool options today and so many things that are action packed. I don't know if kids are going to, you know, want to sit here and watch me set in a tree, you know, going, <laughs> going, Hey, it's Tuesday. The wind's out of the West. We're in Kansas. You know, I mean, we need to pick this up a little bit. So yeah. we decided to call, we changed the name of the show from maximum archery to maximum archery world tour. And I took uh, the dates and this, the species and the locations of where I was hunting, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
whatever date, wherever in Wyoming, mule deer, you know, I, okay. I took all the dates of the whole of the whole season and I put them on the back of a T-shirt, like an old Van Halen concert shirt or an old Journey concert shirt. And we changed the name to Maximum Archery World Tour. And we treated the hunting show as if we were on tour, except we weren't on a music tour. We were on a tour of filming, you know, all the episodes for the season. And the whole the whole tour or hunting schedule was laid out. And it's all it was was a hunting schedule. We yeah. called it a tour schedule. And we started filming more of the travel and going in, you know, to some small bar in some gold mine abandoned town in Colorado and shooting darts and, you know, the crazy places we found to do fine to do laundry and stuff. Cause you know, when we go out on a hunt, we wouldn't go on a hunt and then home and then a hunt and home, we would stay out for three or four hunts and then come home. We couldn't oh, wow. just go, you know, it was mapped out like a legitimate tour. tour yeah. Know? Okay. We didn't go to Alaska and then back to Kansas and then back to the Yukon. I mean, you know, we went to Canada and Alaska and the Yukon and, you know, we kind of put all that together and the, the Western states together for mule deer and elk, you know, from Wyoming to Colorado to Mexico. And yeah. we, we'd stay on the road. And uh, so we, we called it Maximum Archery World Tour and, and the kids really gravitated to that. I think they, you know, a hunting show has, let's just say three, three segments, you know, with commercial breaks in between them and it used to be we would have three segments of hunting of the hunting show now now the show had two segments of the travel and all the trouble we almost got into and you know <laughs> whatever we found to do along the way and then one segment of hunting and the okay. kids liked that they really gravitated to that but you know i could play some music and i could write and uh at least i thought i could and uh i decided well if it's called Maximum Archery World Tour, why not, you know, why not make some music instead of just getting this internet music? Why not write some original music to fit the show? Right. So I wrote Blood Trail on a Whitetail, Hunt Me Down, Gotta Go Hunting Blues, Buck of a Lifetime, you know, <laughs> these kind of songs and uh, support your local wildlife. Um, and, and I would do these songs, you know, we would play them in and out of commercials and the opener when the, when the uh, credits would roll, I might, you know, pick one around a campfire for, you know, 30 seconds or something. It might make the TV show. Um, it wasn't like we just sat there and played a three minute, 20 second song nonstop, but we would use them throughout the show and, and the music. And uh, I had no idea that iTunes was coming and digital file sharing was coming right. and that there was, you know, I'd never heard of the word viral before that things could go viral. Um, but we had a lot of success and, and, uh, then smartphones came out, you know, we'd be at the Iowa deer classic signing DVDs and posters and kids would be in line, you know, playing my music on their phone. Right. And uh, we, we made enough, enough noise with the few songs that I did that it, it actually landed me, uh, with a phone call from Doug Growl from Nashville, uh, asking me to come to town and get with some other writers and make a record. So, the bow company fell into the TV show. The TV show fell into the music. Um, and, you know, now we're doing this podcast uh, from my, you know, my place here in Nashville, Tennessee, as I'm in the process of making my fourth record. That's awesome. Or album of music, I guess you would call it these days. Wow. Wow. That, that That's quite a story. The way you were able to adapt, you know, that's always important, especially when you're doing uh, different things in the entertainment industry. 
you know, you have to be willing and know how to adapt to that, to uh, market to these new age groups all the time. And so, yeah, wow. That I, I that's really awesome. You know, like when we started the conversation about all the different things, I, you know, I never really, I never really thought of them as different. One just kind of morphed into the other. And right. uh, I was doing a little bit of that, you know, when I started doing this and I was doing some of that when this came along and, you know, the story doesn't end. I mean, we, you know, in 2015, I had a song out called American Rebel. Yes. It kind of went viral as a patriotic anthem. And uh, we decided to build a brand around it and mm-hmm. to build some products around it. And we started a company um, from a song that came from doing music from a TV show that came from making a DVD from a bow I made. Um, but we took the, we took the song American rebel. We made it the mission statement of the company and started it in 2015. We grew the company, Doug Grau, who's my producer and manager became the president of the company. I was CEO and founder. And, um, as of February of 20 of uh, 2022, uh, just over a year ago, we're now a publicly traded company on NASDAQ. So, um, again, wearing the same hat, but sometimes it just comes in, uh, um, you know, different opportunities. Yeah. So kind of, uh, talk a little bit about the, uh, American rebel brand. What is it and what, uh, what do you guys do actually? So we, we started the company, um, again, it was, it was named after the song I had out American mm-hmm. rebel. Mm-hmm. I came up with the slogan for it, America's patriotic brand. I said, you know, I want us to be America's patriotic brand. And so that kind of stuck American rebel, you know, America's patriotic brand. Yeah. And we, we were thinking about, you know, what should we make? You know, I got this, I got this background, if you will, in archery, but you know, hunting is, hunting is so big, but then archery is only, you know, 10, 15, 20% as big as hunting. Right. Cause right. You know, there's, there's more gun hunting than, than, than archery hunting. Mm-hmm. And then hunting itself is only so big. Um, patriotism and a love for our country and, and uh, the second, you know, supporting the second amendment and these things, you know, is, 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 is even, you know, by far bigger than hunting. So the song was American rebel. It wasn't a hunting song. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was a song, uh, a, a patriotic anthem. So, you know, we weren't really locked into a box to have to do an archery product. So the first product offering we did is we made concealed carry backpacks oh. and a concealed carry backpack simply is a backpack. It's designed for everyday use. It looks great. It's made great, great quality, you know, uh, ripstop water resistant fabric, UTC branded clips, YKK zippers. I mean, you know, a quality product for mm-hmm. everyday use, but it has our proprietary protection pocket where it'll keep and, and keep a firearm concealed and safe and give you uh, discreetly uh, access to it. It's a safe way to carry. Um, and then we expanded into concealed carry jackets to add to our backpacks, jackets, and coats. And then in 2019, we got into manufacturing gun safes. And out of the company right now, we also have our American Rebel Liquid Fire, our American Rebel 2A lockers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got some, you know, some products that we'll be introducing, uh, look forward to introducing soon. We're always designing and, and looking now for some, you know, we're always looking for an opportunity. Um, but that's the company, you know, AmericanRebel.com. Uh, we're going to continue to add products and, and work towards our goal of becoming America's patriotic brand. I, I tell this a lot. I say this all the time, but 
you know, to sum it up, I want Susie to go up to mom and say, you know, mom, what's dad want for Father's Day? And she says, honey, he wants anything with American Rebel on it. That's that's <laughs> when you know you're America's patriotic brand. We're, yeah. we're a lifestyle brand, you know. Mm -hmm. um, we have dealers, you know, we have almost 400 stores buying from us around the country, and they want to know where's the American Rebel dartboard, the American Rebel kayak. You know, I want to see American Rebel beer. I want to see American Rebel motor oil, American Rebel tools, uh, American Rebel barbecues, American Rebel dog food. <laughs> um, you name it, American Rebel wheelbarrows. Yeah. Um, but we can only do so much so fast, right? So we got to, you know, it takes cash flow and takes um, design and engineering and in some cases tooling. And, you know, you just, it, it feels like, uh, it feels like sometimes, you know, you're not, you're not moving as fast as you would like and, and getting as much stuff out as you would like. Right. But when your products have success, when you bring them out, and you start to sell, you know, a, a good number of them, you've got to, you've got to build them and you've got to make them. And, and you've got, you know, that takes a lot of your, you know, if you've got something that's working, it's hard to pull capital away from that to launch something new when, right. when you're already, when you know, if I can build more of these then the public wants them. So yeah. um, right now we're doing a few things, but we're doing, we're doing gun, we're doing really well, especially in the gun safe market. And I mean, I'm talking the full size, you know, refrigerator almost size safes. I'm not talking oh. the little boxes that, you know, the little shoe box kind of things. I'm talking full blown, uh, you know, safes that, that weigh 600 to, you know, 1500 pounds. That you can fit like hunting rifles and stuff in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That. Uh, th that's really cool. And, you know, you said something there and it kind of reminds me of what I, a problem that I come across here. Uh, I, I come up with all these ideas, but there's only so much time that you have in a day to, to do those things, you know? And I, I feel you, you were saying, you know, dog food and, uh, you know, a beer and, you know, wheelbarrows yeah. and all these different things. You have all these ideas and stuff and it takes a minute for those ideas to roll out and actually come to fruition. It, it, it does. And, and, you know, every one of those ideas has its own set of challenges and, where we would like to get to with American Rebel, and we're we're starting to, you know, approach this, is, you know, if you ask me, do you want an American Rebel beer? The answer is yes. Do I want to open up an American Rebel brewery? Not really. What I would <laughs> like is a brewery, as a brewery, a brewer out there uh -huh. that's got distribution and visibility, and and you know, a boutique brewery or a medium-sized brewery, you know, to come and say, hey, let's do a licensing deal and put your beer out. Yeah. And, and those those are the type of opportunities that we look forward. Uh, we can't manufacture everything that I'd like to see on the market with American Rebel on it. But we we could uh, approach licensing deals and, and grow the company. Uh, you know, that's that's a possibility for us as well. Yeah. So what would you say has been your biggest challenge since you started the American Rebel brand? I think I think, uh, you know, I, I I think that the challenge that most companies have that's certainly the challenge that you know you get into is capital and cash flow and you know if you build a good product and you can set that set, sell the heck out of them that's fantastic but you got to have the money to build them first right yeah um and as a manufacturer you know you you know i think people look at something and go okay it costs you this much to build it and you sell it for that and you make this much money yeah um but as a manufacturer selling to a retail store 
you know, we don't run on great big margins. Um, we run on a, a manufacturer's margin. Mm -hmm. But to, you know, what I think sometimes is missed is, you know, it's not like we have this product today and we get our money for it tomorrow. I mean, the product starts when we order steel, you know, and we have to have steel come in the warehouse and wiring and, and, our, and our handles and locks. And, you know, that's months, you know, a month or two before it actually gets built into a product. We're out laying cash to bring in the raw materials, sometimes 90 days out. And then we got to build it. It's got to right. go through the plant and the factory and those everything, every, the factory workers and everybody has to be paid. Yeah. Um, the overhead has to be paid and it turns into a finished product. And then, it, you know, you have to freight it. It's got to be shipped. Um, and then the dealer gets it. We got great dealers. Um, but, you know, they got, you know, some dealers have 30 day terms. Some have even longer terms, depending on the size of the store and the quantities that they purchase in. So, you know, you, you've got you've got to fill that gap from ordering steel to 60 days, 120 days, mm -hmm. um, you know, down the road before that turns back into money. So right. you got to cash flow that and that and, and the more you sell and the more you, you know, you ship, the more you more of it, you got to cash flow. Right. Um, but yes, it does. It does. You know, it is it is a, a product that's, you know. You, you have a margin of, of profitability in there, but you still have to, you know, you have to cash flow at first. The, the cash flow part comes ahead of the profitability. So it's hard to grow a company and to uh, you know, any business. That's not unique. You know, that's not uniquely uh, an American rebel uh, problem. It's, 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 you know, a lot of businesses have the same challenge. Right, right. So I did see that you have a book that's coming out. Um, on the website, I believe that it said that you were uh, in the process of writing this book. Now, what will this book be covering? First of all, the the, the book's a ways out. You mm -hmm. know, we're starting to just kind of lay it out. Um, you know, and and kind of define some of the chapters. But you know, it's it's really a book about a, a American Rebel, America's patriotic brand. But it's about chasing the American dream. Yeah, it's about understanding that we live in the best country in the world, even even though it's not perfect and there's a lot of people today that are willing to, to point out uh, its faults, but even with its faults, it's still by far the best country in the world. There's only one of them on this rock. And uh, you know, I tell people, if you, if you take a globe, you know, and put it by your bed and you wake up in the morning and every morning you spin that globe and you put your fingers on the globe and stop it and your fingers land on the United States of America you're a lucky individual. Yeah. You are a very lucky individual. Yeah. And, um, you know, I want to show other examples of chasing the American dream. Um, uh, and, and the stories that it took to, to build, to build this company and, uh, what it meant and, you know, our, our standards of wanting to make as much product in the United States as possible. And the challenges of that, um, wanting to employ as many people, uh, here in the United States and our factories and opening up factories and the struggles of, of doing that. You know, I, I think, I think everybody in the country is aware that, that buying American made products that are made by American workers is a good thing for the country. Yes. Um, but it's very challenging too, with a lot of the, 
rules and regulations and EPA regulations and just different things that are put on them on our businesses, which I'm not saying that they're not valuable. I'm, I'm all about the environment. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that they're, that they're not things that can be necessary, right. um, but it does make it challenging when you're competing with the rest of the world that doesn't have those same, those same obstacles and those same, maybe those same challenges that, um, that um, make competition a little, a little tough. Um, you know, how does a country that doesn't hardly have any steel or have any steel import steel into China, turn that steel into a product and get it back over here to the ship it back to the U S um, you know, for half the price of, of, of a U.S. company. Um, now yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, quality isn't, is, you know, I'm not going to say that they're, you know, the quality is the same and, and uh, a lot of those things, but it's uh, it, it, it's challenging. But but that's what we're doing. We're building America's patriotic brand. We're, we're going to build as much of it right here as we can, and we're gonna we're going to uh, put the quality into it, the passion into it, the grit into it, the attitude into it, mm-hmm. and uh, and people see that and they value that, and they're and they're buying our product. That's awesome. And you know, I like hearing that because um, one thing I know from hearing you know companies from the past they took pride in the quality that they had being made in america you know when you said it was made in america you knew that you were going to get a quality product absolutely absolutely i mean it's um i i think i think the pride in the workmanship speaks for itself and i think you know a lot about that company and that factory and those workers when you you bring that product home and you know you've got something of value and something of quality Mm-hmm. You know, there's some there's some products and stores, and I'm not going to mention them by name, but man, you go, you know, you go buy your grandson a twenty, thirty, forty dollar, uh, you know, toy, and uh, you know, forty five minutes into playing with it, it's broke. I mean, yeah. yep. there's just some stuff that's just so darn cheaply made and poorly made that it's it's like, what happened to what happened to good old Tonka trucks, man? <laughs> I mean. Yep. I don't know how old you are, but my Tonka trucks were made out of metal. And, yes. Uh, and they would, and you could run them through your, you could run them through your bedroom wall and get in trouble by your mom and dad. I mean, <laughs> you were going to break one of those for nothing. You uh, could take it outside and dump it in the mud and throw it around and move it and fill it up. And I mean, that thing would last it. You know, you'd, you'd grow up and you'd outgrow it and it'd be in the garage sale. And some other kid would get to enjoy it for four or five years. And then exactly. someone else, they were made. They were made to, to last. Yep. I, I remember growing up with those. My grandma had a bunch of them at her house. And man, I wish I had them now because they were the big metal ones with the yep. smokestacks that were rubber. And, you know, they were very well made. Like we were actually digging in the dirt with these. I think we had an excavator one and literally making holes in the ground with this because it was so strong. But yep. I, I wish I still had those because I, from what I hear, they're worth a lot of money now. They they are, and, and you know, kids today they'll never they'll never experience uh, you know that quality of toys. But you know, we're talking about toys and Tonka trucks because it's easy. But yeah, you know, the same the things same thing can be said for a for a bicycle or a gun safe or a right. Uh, you know, any other thing that you're purchasing and bringing home. Sometimes sometimes it's better to pay a little more mm-hmm. and you know and get something that's going to last. That uh, is not going to fail you. My my dad was a manufacturer. He always told me, "Son, it's 
I'd rather explain price once than apologize for quality over and over. I, I like that. I've, I've never heard that saying before, but that, that makes a lot of sense. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to, to live up to that standard. And, and I think we're doing a great job. Uh, we're making some, some really good products and we've got a, a lot of dealers and, and customers that are really pleased uh, with what we're putting out. So I think that's the, that's the tell all right there. That's awesome. So I kind of want to switch over here a little bit. One thing sure. that you talked about as well is uh, your music. And you said that you are in the process of uh, coming out with another studio album as we speak. And uh, so I kind of want to just talk about that for a little bit, uh, a little bit. What is one of your um, influences when it comes to your music styles? You know, I grew up, um, I've got a brother who's six years older than me and a sister that's that's right at five years older than me. And then there was quite a, you know, there was you know, four or five years went by before I, I got here. And when you have, you know, when you're nine and 10 and you got 14, 15, 16 year old, you know, siblings. Yeah. Um, you get to listen to their music. Right. So, you know, when I was nine years old, you know, I was listening to Hart and Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles and Bob Seger and, sticks and you know i was getting to listen to to the good stuff my friends in school that didn't have older brothers and sisters i mean they were they were listening to the partridge family you know they hadn't they hadn't no one had turned them on yet but uh i got to listen and of course you know in kansas when i grew up you could drive when you were 14 and i think they've changed that age to 15 or 16 now not for sure but you know we used to this little town of chanute kansas my brother and sister and then eventually me too but we just called it Dragon Main. I mean, all you would do is just go up and down Main Street. You and all your friends who had cars just go up and down Main Street all night, and, you know, <laughs> Friday and Saturday night. And, and that's what we did. Um, yeah. And so they would they would take me, you know, they'd make me a deal, you know, be, um, you know, Friday and Saturday nights, not during weeknights, but, you know, it'd be Friday night. And, you know, my brother would say, well, you know, if you, uh, you know, if you do this and, and, and you know, Mom would want, you know, I had a bedtime and stuff. He said, but I'll, I'll take you, I'll take you two times, you know, up and down Maine. I'll bring you right back. So he, you know, I'd get to go at seven 30 or eight, you know, and be back at eight 30 or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we had all that stuff right on, on uh, eight track tapes and, and then eventually cassettes and, and uh, all that good music and uh, Eric Clapton and Fleetwood Mac and Steve Miller. And, you know, so I'm listening to all this stuff at a young age to, so it, it was definitely the classic rock, what we call now the classic rock bands uh -huh. were my biggest influence. Um, I love the Black Crows. Um, you know, I hear a lot of bands. You think you think living in Nashville, I, I would you know roll off a bunch of country artists that I listen to. <laughs> but I, I've got friends that are that are tremendous artists uh, and and just super talented. Lee Bryce is a great friend of mine, and just that guy can sing the paint off the wall. And what an amazing writer! Yeah, um, he is. But I, I grew up on on the rock stuff and I, I tend to, to to live, you know, there. If you went through my uh, I have an old album collection from when I grew up and then now all the all the music's being re-released on vinyl and vinyl's becoming cool again. So and they're thicker and they've been remastered and stuff. So I've got a whole like a new album collection, but same albums. There's just the ones that, that are, you know, old, the ones that are new, but the uh, it's mostly classic rock. And, uh, and and the rock stuff for sure. Uh, again, love the Black Crows, uh, love Tom Petty, love the Almond Brothers. Um, 
you know, when it comes to country, the Davison brothers, Lee Bryce, love those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, bad company. That's, yeah. You know, not much. I don't like. <laughs> well, and it comes across in your music too. You, you hear that kind of that rock vibe to your, uh, it, it's almost a country rock mix that you hear in, in your sound. And I, I really like the way it is. It's, it's unique. That was, that was by design, not by design. That was by accident, but you, you nailed it. I mean, you're absolutely right. And where this came from was, you know, I wanted to make, I mean, I wanted to rock and yeah. Doug Growl, who, who produced and managed me and helped me put me with some writers. Um, and now is the president of American rebel. Mm-hmm. You know, he handled and managed Travis Tripp, Little Texas, uh, David Ball, Jeff Foxworthy, the comedian. He produced the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. Oh, His wow. inroads are definitely in country music. I kind of came, you know, from a rock background. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, you know, I can't, re- you know, my lane is country. Yeah. Um, and you're making, you know, you got a hunting show. Um, you know, you got a, you got a country kind of audience. Yeah. And so I wanted to rock. He wanted to make country. Um, we tried on that first record, making a couple more top 40 kind of country songs and it didn't fit my style or my voice or my, I don't know. It just sounded like someone, a couple of them songs to me just sounded like, you know, me trying to be something I wasn't. I get and that. I could, you know, I can hear it. I don't know. You know, I don't know if others, you know, got that. But we had a couple songs on there that had a little bite to them. And then when we did the uh, when we did the Cold Dead Hand record, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the song that put me on Counting Cars, where I was on the on the History Channel there with Danny, where he built me the Second Amendment muscle car. Yeah, and we said, okay, this this kind of this kind of Second Amendment anthem, and your you know some of your other stuff, this patriotic like for whatever reason, this patriotic country rock and roll couple songs seem to be the ones that people are kind of gravitating to like American rebel mm-hmm. um, was on the time to fight album, the third album, but um, we kind of found our, our own, our own lane, if you will, we kind of found a, a, a really happy compromise that opened my eyes up. And I'm like, wow, I love this. And Doug's like, this is, this is, this is what, this is your lane. And uh, I got, I got, I got to give him credit and thank him for that, for helping me find, you know, my sound. Right. Uh, but I think you hear it in all American heart, which was just released. And, um, you know, this new record going forward, which I think will be titled, um, lucky to be alive. Um, you'll hear a lot of that. You heard a lot of it on time to fight, mm-hmm. uh, America's son back on the back roads, uh, heaven got a Hellraiser. So I, I, I love the, the names for your songs a lot too, because they're, they're very, I don't know how to explain it, but they, they, they have a certain feel to them. And you, you know that it's it's that American grit feel to it is the, what I get from it. And I love that. Well, thank you. You know, even though we don't really make CDs or records anymore, you uh-huh. know, yeah. I mean, we could press one of these into vinyl. There's such a long wait to get vinyl produced. Right right now but even though we don't do that when we record you know when we record 10 12 14 songs mm-hmm. even though it's not being printed into vinyl as a vinyl album or a cd we still call it an album of music 
Even right. even if all we do is put it up digitally, it's still an album of music. It's a, an album of songs that make up the release. Yes. So when I say album, I don't want I don't want the audience to think he's talking <laughs> about you know the Circle album. Yeah. Uh, we could put it. We could put this album of music into a vinyl record or a CD or. But normally it just goes up now these days as a as a digital uh, a digital album, if you will. Yes. And um, we can't do the whole album, you know, patriotic songs. I mean, you know, you need you need two or three, you know, that I call are on brand, you know, targeted on brand that fit the American rebel attitude and the American rebel mm-hmm. brand. Um, like all American heart, like the song I've got coming out on Flag Day called I Stand For You. Um but you can't do a whole album, you know, you can't do a whole album of hunt, nothing but hunting songs. You can't do a whole album <laughs> of nothing but patriotic rock and roll songs. Right. You know, so you got to do a couple ballads. You got to do a, a boogie woogie, you know, something in there that, and, and, you know, you got to mix it up a little bit so that, uh, uh, you know, you don't wear your audience out with almost kind of the same thing, but a little different, right. You got to have some variety on the record. Yeah. And, uh, and that's always, that's always the, you know, the goal is to put, you know, two or three of these, you know, patriotic brand on target songs, mix it up with a couple ballads or power ballads, um, you know, something, uh, something, you know, kind of boogie woogie, Jerry Lee Lewis kind of like, yeah, getting after it and, uh, you know, and mix it up with a, with a few things, some mid tempo things. Yeah. A couple, you know, maybe one of the one or two of them got a little more, little more guitar and a little more rockier edge to them which are the ones that always do well for me Um, right um, but you got to have the others too so that sets apart and those songs stand out on the record and and we've done real well with that doug's doug's been an absolute uh genius helping me you know put these this music together that's cool so what would what is your um your process when it comes to writing a song well i write um I think my process is a little bit unique okay. because as a writer, I am writing for myself. Okay. Uh, I'm not, there's writers, amazing writers all over town. I'm sure there's one, you know, I live in a high rise downtown Nashville, like overlooking the city. And I'm sure within two, you know, a block of me walking out the front of this building, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's some writers, right. Yeah. Uh, and I know there's some over at losers right now and winners and, you know, all these places. So, but a lot of writers write, you know, daily or certainly weekly and they're writing maybe for themselves or writing for other people. They're writing to get songs cut. They're writing for songs to pitch. Um, and they, and, and, you know, they write all the time. Lee Bryce, man, that guy, you know, not only does he write amazing songs for himself, but he has a lot of people that cut his music. Garth Brooks cuts his music. I mean, people cut his music. Yeah. And he, he literally walks off stage. And by the time they're rolling down the highway, you know, an hour, hour and a half after the concert, he's got a rider out on the, he's got one bus. That's, he's got a lot of tour buses, but one of them is a portable studio. And he's always got a rider, another rider with him on the road. Hour and a half walking off stage, he's writing. Oh, you know? wow. I mean, the guy's writing all the time and just, he's just top of his crap. Yeah. Myself, I typically write like it's okay. We're going to put out a, a, you know, we're going to, we need to record a record. All right. We've got, you know, eight, nine months we're going to record. It's time to put a record out. So I'll start the writing. Well, I'll start the writing process. 
before that, continuously, 24-7, if I come up with an idea for a song, I'll put it in my notes or I'll speak into my little recorder on my phone, the mm-hmm. idea. Because it's, it's an it all starts with an idea. Right. But And then when we get, you know, we've got about three months before we're going to go track the record, then I'll start a heavy writing schedule. And I'll, I'll go with Porter Howell, Doug Cahan, Mark Sutton, Jason Sutton, John McElroy, you know, I'll go meet with these writers that want to write with me and I'll start telling them, you know, I'll, I'll get rid of some of my ideas. Oh, that wasn't that great an idea. That wasn't that great of an idea. And then, you know, one of those ideas will hit that co-writer's hot button. I've, mm-hmm. I've had songs become fantastic that Porter said, let's write this. We're writing that. Let's write that. I'm excited <laughs> to write that. And I may have pitched it to someone else a week ago in a writing session and they Ah, that's goofy. You know, you just don't know. Different, <laughs> yeah. different ideas hit different people. Yeah. And so we start writing. We're writing for my record. Um, and, you know, we'll get one or two written a week and we'll spend, you know, three months getting them written and prepared and arranged. You know, you need different things, right? It starts with an idea and then, you you know, you need a melody and you need a tempo and a beat and, and uh, you know, then you got to you know, craft the, the lyrics, um, put it all together. And uh, sometimes you write a song in a day, four or five hours. Sometimes you meet for the third time and you can't finish the song. And you're just like, man, this, this just wasn't meant to be. This is, this is not coming together. Um, so you never know. It always mm-hmm. feels like to me, the ones that come together fast are the best ones because you're onto a hot idea and a hot topic and everybody's yep. excited about it and it's going, going great. So anyway, to, to shorten this up, so I start writing three, four months, and then we go in the studio and we track everything. In other words, we record all the instruments uh, for the songs. And then I live with the songs for about a month and sing along with, with them and, you know, listen to them. I might listen to the tracks while I'm making dinner. You know, I'm listening and humming along. And, and uh, you know, then, we, then I go in and kind of put a demo vocal on them, and then we decide which ones are worth finishing off. All right, let's go in for real. and you know, put a vocal on this and mix it and master it and, and it makes the record. So um, not the same typical, you know, writing schedule. I think that, that a lot of people keep, but I typically just, once we know, you know, three years have gone by, it's time to release another record. Okay. We're going to, we're going to record it this winter. So, you know, I'm spending the summer, right? Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a, uh... That, that is a little different than, you know, some of the other ones that I've had, but uh, I had uh, Drew Ryder Smith on uh, two weeks ago and uh, I was talking to him about, I, I love hearing everybody's process because everybody's is so is different. So it, it's, it's interesting to me to hear the different, uh, the different yeah. ways that people do this. A lot, of, a lot of guys will get together, you know, most songs are written by two or three writers. You, you know, you, you write with a co-writer and sometimes two co-writers. Mm-hmm. And there's some guys around town that, I mean, they're so good. They'll just, you know, two guys are getting, let's say they're going to meet and write. What do you want to write about? I don't know. Well, I'll tell you, let's meet down here, have a beer, shoot a game of pool and you know, <laughs> see what we come up with. You know, yeah. when I, when I go meet with a writer, I got to walk in with, you know, a handful of ideas and, you know, some melody choices and, you yeah. know, they're because they know that they're helping me write a song for my record. Right. So, you know, they're not going to give me, you know, Porter Howe's amazing. He's a 
lead singer, lead guitar player from Little Texas. You know, God bless Texas. Amy's back in Austin, kick a little, what might have been. Yeah. And he's an amazing writer. And and he's a very good friend of mine. Um, but he isn't going to give me his, you know, hey, Andy, I got this great song idea and this great thing here. You know, come over and uh, let me give it to you. You know, I mean, he's, he's got his own music projects. He's not going to, you know, he needs me to walk in the door and say, here's a couple ideas. Here's a couple players, a couple melodies. Here's, you know, here's what I'm hearing. I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of feeling this, mm-hmm. you know, he'll help me write my idea and he'll help me write my song. Cause it's for my record, but I better bring it to the table. Um, you know, he's not going to just hand me something. Right. He's got his own projects. His daughter's got a music project going. He's co-writing and producing. I mean, he's got all kinds of, of uh, opportunities, you know, that, that he does with his music. He's going to help me with my music. Then I better come. I better come with something. Uh, <laughs> better come prepared. That, that, yeah. He'll help <laughs> me polish it. He'll help me turn it into a, 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 a better song than, than no doubt than it would have been if I, if, if I would have, you know, wouldn't have brought it and, right. and spent time with Porter, but I gotta, I gotta bring the, I gotta bring the ingredients to the table. I got you. I got you. So what would you say is your favorite song that you've written? Song called, I wrote this one myself. Okay. Which, which sounds just the opposite of what I just told you that there's always <laughs> a co-writer. Yeah. Cause it sounds like, um, it, it's a crazy story and I'll make it short. And it happens to be with Porter Howe, the same writer I was just telling you about. Okay. Me and him were writing a song, um, an idea that I had and, you know, we don't always agree, you mm-hmm. know, some lines, uh, uh, that's, that's goofy. No, man, it's great. No, I don't like it. Uh, it's great. No, you can't say that. What do you mean? You know, and sometimes not very often, especially with Porter, because we, we just got a good way of working together, but I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm about, you know, ready to use some unpleasant words that I won't use on your podcast. I'm like, you know what, Porter? <laughs> Fine. If you don't want to write this and you don't like it and you don't, you know, we're not fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll write this one. I'll write it myself. And you know what I'm going to call it? I wrote this one myself. <laughs> and he says to me, he says, Andy, that's a great idea. Let's write that. And I said, <laughs> write what? And he said, write, I wrote this one myself. And I said, no, if I write it myself, I got to write it myself. <laughs> I can't have you write it with me and call it. I wrote this one myself. He goes, no, your life wrote the song. Your life's what wrote the song. Like this happened and these things happened. And hey, man, you got to own it. I wrote it myself. I did it. Right. Yeah. And uh, we wrote a song called I Wrote This One Myself. And uh, it uh, is one of my favorite, if not my favorite songs I've ever written and, and put out. That's, I'm, I'm going to have to look that one up now because now I, I really want to hear that. So yeah, and, and we wrote it in like, and then we wrote it in like two hours. We were like on our second day beating our heads against the wall on this other thing. And <laughs> I got frustrated and, and uh, said that to him. He goes, yeah, let's write that. And we wrote it in like two hours and I love the song. So what would you say is probably one of your favorite fan interactions that you've had? It is without a doubt. I have a song out called Heaven Got a Hellraiser. Uh-huh. And this happens to me all the time. Um, one in particular special time, and I'll use this as the example, and it happens to me all the time. Um, but this one really stands out. And uh, 
I had a lady come up to me uh, after the show and came over to the side of the stage there. And they asked me to go over and say hi to her. Her last name was, was Gibson, Mrs. Gibson. And she told me that uh, her husband had passed away a few weeks ago and she really wasn't going to come, but um, her, her daughter and her son, a few family members just said, mom, you got to get out of the house. Uh, we were opening up for the Davison brothers and that was their favorite band uh, back in West Virginia somewhere. And uh, she teared up and was crying and telling me, how that song, how much it meant to her and how much it was speaking of her, of her husband. And, uh, it just really hit her hard. And that, that happens a lot you know, with a lot of, you know, bikers and bike rallies and stuff. People come up and say, you know, that song really got to me. Yeah. Um, it, it was like you wrote that for my, you know, my father or my brother or my husband that passed away. And, uh, the next night, we played the same venue two nights in a row. And the next night she must've brought 20 family members with her. And I don't know how early they got there. Cause they were like in the first or second or third. I mean, they were right there in front. Yeah. And that whole family just looked at me with tears in their eyes and she was crying. And uh, I remembered her name. Of course I know her name now cause uh, she stayed in touch, but I remembered her name from the night before I dedicated it uh, to her husband, Dallas Gibson. And, and the Gibson family. And then uh, I'd been signing some things before that. And I had a, a Sharpie with me and I threw it, I pulled it out of my pocket before I went on and threw it on the drum riser. And uh, I finished the song and I took the guitar off and signed the guitar and handed her the guitar and then uh, kneeled down and she gave me a big hug. And, um, you know, that's, that's about as touching of interaction, you know, as it gets. Yeah. Uh, to have an impact on a family like that and a person like that. And she still messages me, you know, on social media. And I've, I've, she's probably been to five of my shows since then. I don't think I've ever played anywhere in her area where she wasn't there in her family. Wow. I, I That's a, that's a, I, I like that. That's a heartwarming story. You know, I mean, to be able to reach your fans like that and have that connection with them through your music. I, I, I know that that probably it, it goes further than a lot of other things could, you know, having a number one or anything like that, but being able to connect with your fans is probably yeah. one of the best feelings in the world. Yeah. And that song, it, it touches a lot of people. Um, yeah. It's been played at funerals and um, events. And I, I don't, I don't remember the last time I played a show and didn't play that song. Yeah. So there's, it's, it's one of those, you know, eight, you know, there's 14 songs on the, on the set list and there's, you know, there's eight of them that are going to be on every set list. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, you know, they're not going to not let me play cold dead hand. You know, <laughs> I'm going to have to play rebel. I'm going to yep. have to play country girls game. I'm going to have to play what we do for fun around here. Uh, Got to play. Haven't got a hell raise. Do you play a lot of uh, different like bike rallies and things like that? We do play a good number of uh, bike rallies the year of COVID when everything was shut down. The only, the only people that kept anything going, I think I played like four bike rallies that summer of 2020. Um, <laughs> that was it. The Harley guys were like, we ain't shutting down. So if you ain't shut down, I'll be there. Yeah. I, I ain't scared. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, 
and and then we you know we change the set list too when we play bike rallies a little bit uh, obviously we still play haven't got a hellraiser but they like you know i got a song called outlaw women and whiskey that they mm-hmm. like a, mm-hmm. a lot and so we we uh we throw in a couple of our songs that we know that uh have, have made it through the, the biker community if you will um but love to play bike rallies are very bikers are very patriotic uh, unbelievably yes. patriotic yeah and uh never had a problem at a bike rally never never had a an unpleasant experience you know great people yeah yeah i've uh i've got quite a few friends that actually uh ride bikes and stuff and they go to all those we have a big one that happens here because i'm in the northwest arkansas area and so uh fayetteville has the bikes blues and barbecue that we have up this mm-hmm. way and uh the amount of people that come here for that is it's insane uh, i mean you pretty much if you're not going to that you don't want to go anywhere that weekend yeah, they're, they're, they're big. And, and, you know, you got the bike rallies and you got the, you know, sometimes you just have bike runs. I mean, some of these bike runs are so big, you know, mm-hmm. we're not playing a lot of big events during the week. So sometimes, you know, like there'll be a Tuesday night bike run at Shag Nasties or something. Yeah. We think, well, heck, we're not playing. Let's go, you know, if they want us to come play it. And, you know, there's, there's, there'd be a couple thousand people there on a Tuesday night. I mean, it's, oh, wow. it's um, some of those, some of those runs they do are, are a lot of fun. So, I've just got a few more questions to ask you before I get you off of here. Um, do you have any hobbies that you like to do? Wow. Um, write music, play guitar. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like, uh, I feel like I've, I'm living a couple of, them. you know, I, people ask me all the time, do you golf? And, no, I don't golf. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I pretty much work my business. I love spending time, you know, when I can, as much time as I can with my kids and being involved in their sports and passions. Uh, yeah. Had a, one of my daughters was a, a cheerleader at KU, you know, rock chalk Jayhawk. And so I, I would, uh, I don't play a lot in the winter. So, you okay. know, going to the KU basketball games and football games and my kids is, you know, son's Friday night football games and, um, but honestly, if you said, hey, man, you don't have to work today. You can do anything you want to do. Um, I might do it by a campfire and uh, have a grill going. But, you know, I'd be messing around on my guitar and <laughs> working on a part or, you know, just learning a cover song just to learn it. You know, I was messing around the other night. I thought, you know what? I love that song by Skinner Simple Man. I mean, I've loved that song all my life. I've never played it. Yeah. You know, pull up YouTube and, you know, even though I'm watching – even though I might be watching TV, I, I tune on this, uh, you know, this, this college championship game or whatever. I mean, uh-huh. I'll, I'll, I'll have the TV at a medium volume and the guitar in my hand, put on a YouTube, uh, how to play simple man. And, you know, 15 minutes later, I'm playing and singing simple man. So, um, I really, I guess I'm lucky, huh? I'm blessed that way to, to, uh, be able to do the things that I enjoy doing. Uh, love camping, love cooking out, still love bow hunting, of course. Yeah. Um, love playing music. So you said that about simple man. That's, that's funny. That's one of the first songs that I actually learned to play on the guitar and it was pre YouTube. And, oh, um, oh. <laughs> the, the way that I learned is, uh, there's a band called shine down, uh, oh, yeah. did a cover of, oh, uh, they killed it. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Oh. And I played that His over and over. <laughs> yes. Uh, he he's amazing. They're they're probably one of my favorite uh, rock bands. Um, oh, but um, so 
I had that album, Leave a Whisper. Great album. There's not a bad song on that album. I can just listen to it straight through over and over and over again. But Simple Man was on there. And I sat there and I would listen to it for hours until I figured out, okay, this is what they're playing. And that's how I learned how to play Simple Man was just by listening to them play that over and over and over again. Well, I, I hats off to you, my friend. Um, <laughs> it's a lot easier to pull it up on a YouTube video and there's, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 50 different, you know, videos on how to play Simple Man. And you find one of these guys that for whatever reason, they teach it in a way that you can pick it up. I mean, some yeah. of the guys are, you know, trying to show it and do it and talk about it. I'm like, I don't even know what the heck you're, I don't know. You ain't for me, <laughs> but when you find, you know, when you find one of these online guys, that's got a YouTube channel and you like the way they put the notes up in the corner or he articulates it. And um, this Jeff guy that I, that I go to kind of first to see if, uh, if I want to play something to see if he's got a lesson on it. He'll, uh -huh. he'll, he'll give you like three ways, like simple man. He had like three ways, like here's just the chords. And then here's that, you know, bum, 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 you know, the, right. you know, the kind of picking little thing through it. Now here's, here's like an easy way to do it. That really isn't complete, but you know, 99% yeah. of the people that hear you play this song, they know it's simple, man. They ain't going to question it. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then here's more like, you know, like they did it on the record. So sometimes I stop at the, I stop at the good enough, uh, get close <laughs> enough for rock and roll version. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I so there was two songs that I learned from that, and it was that one, and then Forty Five, because uh, that's I it's probably yeah. still my favorite song by Shine Down. I'll never forget. I was in the dentist chair in Spring Hill, Tennessee, and um, they said, "You want to put on some TV or something? Or we can put on some music." And they they just put it on a uh, I don't know this what kind of music do you like? And I said, oh, "Southern rock, classic rock." So they. They did the, uh, oh, gosh, why can't I think of it? You know, you put in a couple songs they like, and then it just plays all kinds of songs that it thinks hmm. you like. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember the name of that. Uh, like Pandora or something? Yeah, yeah, Pandora. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, the song, all of a sudden, you know, 30 minutes into my dental deal, you know, my mouth wide open and nobody caned up. <laughs> Here comes Simple Man. And, uh -huh. and they're playing, like, oh, cool, I love this song. So, and, uh, the guy started singing and I'm like, well, hang on a second. <laughs> who the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, who is this? I'm like, that's not, I mean, God bless Skinner and I love them. And they're extremely, you know, talented to the end of the earth and iconic. But yeah, this dude was, this dude was killing it. I'm like, that is not Skinner. <laughs> and uh, I had, I had to have the dinner. I'm like, can you look and see who this is? And his assistant came back and said, you know, shine down. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a fan. Yes. Uh, since that album, I've, I've been a fan. So with your brand that you have and everything, is there a goal that you have that you want to reach by the end of this year? Well, the ultimate goal is, is as a, you know, what I was saying is to become America's patriotic brand to build as much product in the country as possible, employ as many people as possible, uh, mm -hmm. make quality products and, and become a lifestyle brand. You know, obviously you're not going to get, uh, you know, all the way across that, you know, that's, a, that's a, that's a five to 10 year goal. Right. Um, from where we set today to, you know, we're on our way, we're making a lot of noise and we're, I mean, when we go to the NRA show and the trade shows, I mean, we're packed and everybody wants to, everybody wants to be around what we're doing. It's catchy. Um, the dealers call us to safe with an attitude and we got a lot of grit about us and some good rock and roll to go with it. 
Um, you know, I do have some goals uh, at, at the end of this year. I, I, we're a public company. And so, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I can't really forecast what we're doing ahead of putting it out in a public record. Right. Um, but, it, but generically, um, you know, I would like to add one more, uh, you know, we're, we're always looking to add a, a, a new home run hit, you know, product into our family of products mm -hmm. and uh, to, uh, to continue to expand the dealer base, you know, and take the company to the next level. Um, and, and, you know, we're working on that. We've, it's what we strive for and we work every day, you know, to build this company and, and build around it and build the brand and the quality of the brand and what it stands for. Um, and I'd like for, uh, personally, I'd like to see, uh, I stand for you coming out on flag day, uh, you know, do really well. And I've got big hopes for that song. All right. I'll make sure they get it over to you before it comes out. Awesome. That'd be great. So if people want to follow you, where can they do that? So American Rebel is at AmericanRebel.com. Mm -hmm. uh, Andy Ross and my music's at AndyRoss.com. All of my social medias are at Andy Ross Rebel. So whether you're on TikTok or Facebook or, uh, you know, Instagram, it's, it's at Andy Ross Rebel. Mm -hmm. And that would be the credit, you know, or Google. You, can, you know, Google <laughs> Andy Ross, Google American Rebel will come up. All right. And is there anything that maybe you would like to say to your fans directly? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll say to say to my fans that I'm, you know, uh, also just saying to God too. I mean, I'm, I've been extremely blessed. Yeah. Um, I know that I'm, I've been extremely blessed. I've, I've had my head down and working hard and, you know, I'm always, I'm doing my best to be the best, you know, not, you know, person that I can human being that I can kind and, and uh, caring and giving and, you know, try to live a life that I'm not just build a company or a song, but a life that I'm proud of. So, um, you know, I'm thankful for my blessings. I'm thankful to have a fan, let alone fans. And, uh, thanks everyone for the support. I hope I'm doing something that you like, and I hope I'm making music that you like or a product that you like. And, uh, if you have the opportunity say, hi, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be out and about and, uh, running around this great country soon. All right, man. Well, it has been great talking to you tonight, and I can't wait to see your new music that's coming out. Man, I'm so happy to, to, to be here and have the platform and, and uh, share my information and my story with your audience and your platform. Um, it's, you know, it's an honor and a privilege to be on tonight. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. All right. Well, you have a great night. Thank you. It took me 10 years to make the perfect man cave. And then we took it over. And we made it into the multiversal chamber. Then I started my own podcast. And we took that over too. And we're the co-host, the Multiverse Kids. Yeah, and I'm the dad, the geeky dad. And every week, we what? We review the movies, shows, and books. Games and toys. Yeah. And sometimes we even have a special guest. So, join us every week on the Geeky Dad Podcast. A yabba dabba doo. This is a Cat's Pajamas, a.k.a. Cat's PJs. And I'm the host of Cat's Pajamas Radio Show. Well, what is it that I got at the radio show, you may ask? I've got everything from live interviews with 
various people from wrestling to bands and musicians and artists and artist collectives. We talk all things, conspiracies, scary stories, and uh, fun random music facts. You can check me out on Spotify at Cat's Pajamas Radio Show. Got a really killer playlist for all of you as well. Or you can find me on Instagram, Cat's Pajamas123. So I hope y'all go ahead and give that a listen. And a special thanks to uh, If We Give a Daughter Podcast for putting me on. Much love. Appreciate it. Alright everybody, I hope that you enjoyed that episode with Andy Ross. He was a great guest and he had a lot of cool stuff to talk about and really cool stories that I'm glad that he was able to come on and share with us today. And um, I do look forward to maybe having him back on in the future to talk about some more of the stories that he has that we weren't able to get into today. So uh, yeah, Uh, be looking for him to come back here soon. So next week I have with me a guest that I've been talking about that was going to be on that I had to end up rescheduling, and I'm glad that he is come on and had a conversation with me, and it's a really good one. I really enjoyed talking to him, and that is Kirk Gannon. He is a wrestler out of the Missouri area, and he wrestles for Control Your Narrative, and I'm very excited for you guys to hear that episode. I think it's going to turn out really good. So be looking for that one next week. And if you want to follow me on social media to keep up with everything that's going on, you can do so by going to Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok or Twitter or Hive or any of those places and just look up if you give a data podcast and you can find me there. On Facebook, it's at IYGADAP and it's the same for for Snapchat and for TikTok. You can also find me on Hive and Twitter, and those are both at DadPodcast11. And then on Instagram, I am at GiveADadAPodcast. Follow me on all of those. That way you can make sure that you're keeping up to date with everything that is going on with iGadap. If you want to send me an email, you can do so by sending it to GiveADadAPodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you guys on there. Um, most of the time what I get is a lot of, uh, people saying, Hey, I want to be on the show. So, uh, you know, and I've found some really good people to bring on this show from having that happen. And I look forward to hearing from all of my listeners as well. So if you have a comment or a question or a concern, even that you want to bring up with me or that maybe you would like me to talk about, or if there's a guest that maybe you'd like me to have on, send me a message and let me know. I love talking to you guys. In fact, I had somebody message me a few months ago um, asking about getting a certain wrestler on that they wanted. And I've since secured a date with that wrestler. Um, I'm not going to bring it up because it's a little further out and, you know, things do come up. So it might not happen right at that time. But I am in talks with that person. So if you guys send me um, a, a name of somebody you would like me to have on, I will try my best to get them on for uh, you guys to hear that episode. For everybody who's listening right now, I want you to go out and do me a favor. 
Go and rate and review this episode. Let me know what you think of it. Give it a thumbs up. Give it a thumbs down. Give it a rating and a comment and tell me what you think of this episode. Tell me what you think of the all the episodes that I've come out with. Let me know if I'm doing a job that you guys enjoy or if it's something that you guys think maybe I suck at it. So um, either way, I love to hear from you guys. I love to get comments and feedback from you guys to let me know if what I'm bringing you is what you guys want to hear. I want to give a shout out to my podcast network, the OIW Podcast Network. Um, You hear me talk about them every week. You know that they have all kinds of great content on there, and I'm very appreciative of them and thankful for them allowing me to be a part of their network. I also want to say thank you to D-Cure for creating my ending theme song for me. If you guys like his music, go out and follow him. I will have links to his website and stuff in my show notes. So make sure that you go out there and uh, listen to his stuff. He's an awesome guy. He just came out with a new album this week, I believe. So I know I say that a lot, that he's got new music coming out. But seriously, this guy is producing music left and right. And they're amazing. Um, He's been on the iTunes uh, rap charts. He's done all kinds of things. His albums have uh, charted on iTunes and different places. And also on the Billboard charts, he's been on there as well. And I am very excited and happy for him. And I'm thankful to have him as a friend who was able to make a theme song for me for this show. I am very excited for the things that are coming up with in the next few months. I've got some really cool guests that are coming up. I've got some very diverse guests that are going to be coming up. And I have a few that are returning that I think you guys are really going to enjoy hearing as well. So, you know, just stay tuned and uh, keep listening. I love you guys. I hope that you have a wonderful week. And I will see you next time. Bye. Beautiful people, then tells us who we have on. The best part of my day, the world blocked out in my pods. Tell my friends all about it so that they follow along. And the host is kind of nerdy, but guess what? I am as well. I don't feel so alone, and I began walking out of my shell. Heard a story, I need a connection I haven't felt. I'll be looking for the next one, tell them farewell. It's the podcast for me. Have it on, better go see. And listen closely. This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network.